What's up, church family? How y'all doing? This is Pastor Rod. Um, we are here at Coastal Chapel, uh, and I pray that you've been enjoying worship this far. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. Um, thank God for all of the people that put this video together week in and week out. We are continuing in our series on the God of justice this week, looking at injustices against women, injustices against women. I'm excited because after this, this talk, you're gonna be joined by four incredible women that are gonna be sharing um, experiences and how we find our hope and trust in Christ. And so I wanna encourage you, stay tuned to that. If you have stuff that comes up in your mind as I'm preaching, throw that in the chat. We'd love to hear that from you guys. Um, and so let's, let's, let's jump into God's word. Uh, we've been talking about justice and this this, this word called mishpat in Hebrew, it's, it's found some 425 times in the Old Testament. God is a God of justice. I wanna reiterate that again this week. I'm not talking about some random topic that's in, 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 in our country and in our world today. I'm talking to you about a part of the character of God. God is a God of justice. And we've been calling it this tripod, uh, this tripod view of justice, which includes punishment uh, for, for, for the guilty, protection, for the marginalized and care for the needy. We've been talking about this mantra that we have as we look at justice. It is that we as the people of justice who serve a God of justice are called to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. And I pray that one of the tensions you've been feeling as we've been walking through this series is the need for you and I to, 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 to be convicted by this call to be people of justice and then to walk that out. Let's go to God's word. You can find me in John chapter 12, verses one through eight. What time is it? Word time. Let's get it. John chapter 12, verse one through eight says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was and whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, mark these words, these are important. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but you do not always have me. I want to talk to you from the subject of injustices against women. Three points, a global injustice, leave her alone, point two, and the man you can trust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for goodness and grace. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you that you have the phenomenal way of taking your word and taking a man and mixing those two together in this thing called preaching and using it to encourage your people and to confound the wise. 
So, Father, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would stand in me, that you would give me clarity of thought and nimbleness of speech, that you would speak to your people in a way that convicts and transforms. Only you can do that. And so, God, I'm available to you to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife and I this week, we did what you did. We sat on the couch and we entered into this conundrum of clicking the Netflix app and trying to figure out what in the world are we going to watch. Now, I was with Netflix when they used to send DVDs to your house. I'm, I'm telling on myself in terms of age. I've been rocking with Netflix for a while, but now they have so much content, some really good and some really horrible uh, that just flood your screen as you try to figure out what to watch. My wife and I trying to go through this, just said, you know, we're going to see something, we're going to click on it, we're going to sit down and watch it. And so we opened up to this movie called Only. It is a movie that was made last year. The whole premise of the movie is, is there is this mysterious substance that has fallen down from this comet that is now, once it touches a woman, it kills only women. This, this virus spreads very, very quickly and and women all across the globe are being killed by this, by this virus, by this outbreak. Until it gets to this final girl, her name is Eva. And in the movie, they figure out how they're going to spend their final days together. Weird movie. Um, but as I watched that movie, one of the things I thought about was, man, what kind of virus is this that would solely attack women? But the more I dived into my studies this week, the more I was wrecked by the global assault on women throughout the ages. This universal injustice. In their book, Half the Sky, Cheryl Wandam and Nicholas Kristoff recalls the story of this 15-year-old girl from Cambodia. She is a teenager who grows up with her family, lovely personality. Everyone loves her. Footnote, this sermon is rated PG-13. Let me give you this warning. Uh, this sermon is rated PG-13. This 15-year-old from Cambodia, uh, Cambodia has this energetic personality, but comes from a very impoverished part of town, and her family runs out of money, so she reluctantly, and her parents reluctantly, send her out to work at a Thai restaurant. She's recruited by a job recruiter to, with her and her friends, four other friends, to come work at this restaurant. And so they're headed off to go meet their new employer and find out more about their new job, and they never return back home. They are taken by that job recruiter and sold into sex trafficking, landing at this brothel in in uh, Malaysia, and four girls are there, none over the age of 16, and they are being forced to be with men over and over again, seven days a week, 15 hours a day. This girl can't take it anymore. One night she decides her and her three friends are gonna escape from this tiny apartment where she was living she, she gets out, she, she, she jumps out of this little window in the apartment, makes her way to a police officer she finds and ends up being thrown in jail for a year for illegal immigration. 
She gets out thinking she's going to be reunited with her family. She's going to be sent back home. And the police officer takes her, and instead of taking her back home, takes her and sells her again right back into sex trafficking and working in brothels. From free to a slave to a prisoner to a slave again. And she's not alone. If you study history over and over and over again, women are sinned against, I would argue primarily in ways that advances against them unwillingly as it relates to sex. And this is important for us. Rodney, why is this important? Because an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, Dr. King notes, that it matters that injustice matters to God and therefore should matter to his people. Or how about a study that 39,000 baby girls die annually in China because parents do not give them the same medical care and attention that boys receive. And that's just in the first year of life. One Chinese planning official said it this way, if a boy gets sick, the parents send them to the hospital at once. But if a girl gets sick, the parents may say to themselves, well, let's see how she feels tomorrow. The result is that many infant girls die unnecessarily every week in China. Or how about in India, where women are not seen at all on par with the man. And a man can get rid of his wife in India for any reason, for, for, for disobedience or, or, or growing a, a lack of affection for her. They do something there called bride burning. It is where they would take kerosene and throw it on the face of their wife so that they can have a right to send her away and marry someone else. Some may say, Rodney, those are horrific stories. But Rodney, that's, that's in another part of the world. We're, we're here in South Florida. What do I do with that? Well, how about sex trafficking that happens here in the United States? Some 300,000 cases and growing of this, this budding criminal system that is taking girls and forcing them into prostitution. You may say, well, Rodney, that's in the nation. Maybe those are in some few parts of the country. That's not really something that we deal here with in South Florida. Footnote, Florida is ranked third in the nation for sex trafficking. Did you hear that? That Palm Beach County, the county in which we live, has 28,000 cases of sex trafficking so far this year. 727 deaths. 2,364 hospitalizations. 761 new cases reported. 18 new cases of death reported this month. Palm Beach County. Footnote, I want to encourage you. There are some great organizations that are working towards this in our county. We'll talk more about that uh, in, our, in our sixth session. I want to uh, just, just invite you into that. And the week after next, we're going to talk about tangible ways to walk through this. But I just want to highlight the Human Trafficking Coalition of the, uh, of the Palm Beaches. 
that are doing a great job in educating and in raising awareness. There are other organizations that are doing more underground work in actually rescuing these girls out of this industry. Here's what I'm trying to raise to your attention. These, these same kinds of injustices that we see afar make their way right to our backyard if we're not careful into our home. You may say, well, Rodney, that's, man, that's, that's challenging, but I don't know anybody. This is, is kind of underground. I don't know what to do with that. Well, what about the injustice of pornography? Another massive industry or system that ruins the lives of women for the enjoyment of men and women. Yes, I understand women watch pornography as well, but, I, but, but man, for, for, for men that indulge in that, in the, in the oppression of women in this country and abroad, there has to be this personal responsibility. We talked about that last week and we said, man, there's personal responsibility versus system of injustices. And yes, I understand people have to take personal responsibility and say, well, Rodney, uh, those, those women and those men that are in the pornography industry, they, they chose to be there. Yes, I understand that. That's, that's, that's personal responsibility that needs to be taken uh, uh, as, as it relates to pornography. But there's also this system of pornography that enslaves men and women and then enslaves the people that are watching it so much so that they get a high that is similar to a drug that can be taken and becomes addicted. And this pornography is ruining our children and ruining relationships and ruining marriages. This, this offense primarily against women has been happening throughout the ages. And man, as I, as I read some of these stories, and I'm only giving you fractions of stuff that I've read this week, and I hear about how men in, in prison enforce these women to, into these brothels and, and, and these people that are engaging in the, these activities, and, and some of them are, are city officials and, and sheriffs and judges that are all partaking in this industry. It, it, it sickens me, and I wanna yell this out, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Don't know about you if you're there. I don't know if it's the way that I'm wired. But I hate to see women be taken advantage of. And leave her alone. Which brings us to our text. Right there in John chapter 12, Jesus has six days to live. The rest of the book of John is going to chronicle his final days. And he's there with, with, with friends. These are, these are friends. Thank God for friends that you could be around and you don't have to put on a show or be something else. You can just be yourself. Thank God for friends. And Jesus is hanging out with his friends. And they throw a meal in his honor, namely because, John chapter 11, he just raised a dead man, his friend named Lazarus, from the grave, from death. And so they are, they are throwing this meal in his honor. Can you see it? The disciples are there and his friends are there. Lazarus is there. What a picture. 
This guy was in a grave, dead, for four days, and now he's sitting and reclining at the table with Jesus. They're enjoying a meal. They're enjoying this meal in the house of Simon, Simon the leper, who is now healed. He, 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 he would, could experience his limbs or his skin falling apart. God heals him, and now he's sitting, reclining at the tables. The disciples are there. Peter, James, and John, and the boys are there. Martha is there. Mary is there. The meal is thrown in his honor. And he has to be telling stories. Yo, Lazarus, how was it, man, when you were locked up? Man, and then you came out and you were limping and you had all your grave clothes on and we removed the man. We saw that. I know, I know it was crazy. Probably just at the table having a wonderful time experiencing this beautiful feast. This is a, this is a snapshot. This is a, this is an Insta story of what we have to look forward to in the New Jerusalem. This kind of meal, f- sitting with Jesus, experiencing full, complete restoration at his table. And Martha is there and she's serving. She's not serving bitterly like before John chapter 11. She doesn't have an attitude. She's not saying, well, what about Mary? She's just serving with this joy that God has provided her. She's there. And all of a sudden, Mary does something that's unique. Now, what I want to highlight about Mary here is Mary is is a disciple of Jesus. She's not just one in the crowd. She didn't just fund the ministry. We learn in John chapter 11 that Mary is known to sit at Jesus's feet. Now, to sit at Jesus's feet uh, was was the place of the lead um, The lead disciple was supposed to sit at Jesus' feet, yet Mary sits there. Really, Peter should have been there. John should have been there. James should have been there. But Mary is there. Mary, this woman who in that culture, uh, like the culture I was naming before, is not seen on par, not seen with, 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 with dignity, the same kind of dignity that, that a man would have or the same kind of value that a man would have. And, and yet she's there at Jesus's feet. Man, uh, that's good news, ladies. That's good news. I know I'm a brother talking to you, but that's, that's good news. It's good news no matter who it comes from. It's, it's, it's good news if, if you got access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and, and he is not rejecting you because of your gender. As a matter of fact, he welcomes you because of your gender and he brings you in to sit at his feet. And that's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. So I was preparing this. One of the things, man, I just sensed the spirit wanted me to tell you this morning is that when you are at the feet of Jesus, that's the place you need to be. Some of you all are really gifted in other areas and you're doing amazing things, but you're not at the feet of Jesus. And so you're, you're, you're not satisfied and you, you, you feel like you don't belong and you don't feel like you don't have enough. You don't have a place because you're not at his feet. Can I invite you this morning to the feet of Jesus? There's nothing hindering your pathway to the feet of Jesus. His blood guarantees that you have access to the feet of Jesus. That's the place we need to be. Brothers and sisters, that's the place we need to be. Look at verse four. Or look at verse three. Then she she gets up and she gets this this pint 
of pure nard. This is a very, very expensive perfume. Today's cost would be something like $10,000. This is not a $50 bottle of, 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 I don't know what you wear, whatever you wear, ladies, uh, whatever you wear, brothers, but this is not this $50 bottle of cologne. This is this extravagant ointment that Mary leaves the feet of Jesus, goes and gets it, and then returns. And I love this because Mary uh, understands that, that when I see what Jesus has done for me, he's worth all that I have. All that I can give him, he's worth that and then some. She gets up, leaves the seat at his feet and goes and gets her gifts and then bring it back to King Jesus. He begins, she begins to pour this out on his feet and wipe it with her hair. This is worship. Now I know ladies, we're talking about injustices against women, but I feel the sense to pause and tell you that there's something you need to get up and go get it and bring to the feet of Jesus. There's something that you are keeping back, you are holding on to that he wants access to and your best decision you can make for the rest of this crazy year is to give the thing that you're holding on to to Jesus. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's if, if it's your gifting. I don't know if it's a friendship. I don't know if it's a relationship. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you need to give that thing to Jesus because he does better with it than you do. And I don't know what you're holding on or what you're trusting in or, or what brings you comfort or what brings you value, but whatever those things are, you need to bring to the feet of Jesus. Which brings us to verse four. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected and said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was a year's wages. Now, he did not say that because he wanted to do justice. No, he said that because he was a thief and he was the one that held the bag. And here Judas is, this man, not of justice, but this man of injustice, camouflages his, his discipleship so that he can extort money from this family. This is about greed. This is about extortion. This same man will sell Jesus for chump change, 30 pieces of silver. His aim was to line his own pockets with ministry funds. And I love what Jesus says to this man of injustice. Listen to what the man of justice says to the man of injustice. He says, leave her alone. Those are the words I was looking for this week. Back up, take your hands off her. That's what I was looking for this week. Stop abusing, stop manipulating, stop tricking her. Take your hands off her, leave her alone. Those are the words I was looking for those week, this week. And when I found it in that text, it reminded me the thing that we long for in justice is the man of justice himself, Jesus Christ. There he is defending this sister. No, you're not going to manipulate her any longer. No, you're not going to line your own pockets. Leave her alone. What she is doing is, 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 is intended for me. This perfume is for the day of my burial. 
You always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. Beloved, justice is an endless task. Even in this series, the more I go into it, the more I see needs, the more I say, Lord, how can we play a part in this? And it is overwhelming. Listen, the poor you have with you always, the marginalized you have with you always. But if you don't go to the feet of Jesus first, then you don't have fuel for justice. Man, what's beautiful is we sit at the feet of Jesus and we sit at the feet of Jesus through things like prayer and things like spending time in his word and things like just worshiping and and singing to him and and things like evangelism. Man, so many things we can do that can be considered worship. But man, I want to encourage you again to all of us, men and women, to sit at his feet. As we continue, though, it. it it gets to this point of the man you can trust, the man you can trust. I mean, what is trust for those women that I talked about earlier for, or, or for you that's watching this morning? How do you trust someone? Trust is built off of prior uh, words or prior promises that you've heard and that you've grown to depend on. And the more someone shows himself faithful, ultimately, the more you trust them. Well, one of the things as we look at how Jesus engages women is we can trust what Jesus says about women because he has been revolutionary in his approach to women in his ministry. I mean, I can give you example after example. Look in Luke chapter 13, when Jesus heals the widow's son, we talked about the widows being one of those uh, people groups that God calls the church to pay special attention to. And here is this widow. She is, is going to bury her dead son and, and passes by Jesus. And, and Jesus stops and he, he, he touches him and raises up her dead son. And here's what he refers to her as, as the Pharisees begin to ask Jesus, Jesus, why he calls her the daughter of Abraham. Now you can you can run past that in the reading, but understand this: that is the first time that term is used. When we speak of the children of Abraham in the Old Testament, it is usually called the sons of Abraham. Here in this, Jesus now calls her the daughter of Abraham, and in so doing, here's what he's saying: women matter too. Abraham has sons and daughters. The kingdom has men and women and women matter in the kingdom and in the economy of God. They have equal worth and dignity and value. This is Jesus, the revolutionary teachers of those days and, and scholars of those days. The Pharisees would have not had women sitting at their feet, learning as disciples and students. But Jesus does. Or look at in chapter eight, when Jesus is on his way to uh, Jairus house to heal his daughter. As he is on his way there, this woman with the issue of blood, she has this flow of blood that's been happening for 12 years. She's gone to physician after physician, but cannot get healed. She, she goes up secretively and touches the hem of Jesus's garment. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And everybody's like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. He says, no, someone touched me in a different way because I feel power or virtue leave out of my body. This woman comes and admits, it, it was me, here's my situation. I got this, 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 this bleeding that has happened to me for 12 years. And this bleeding makes her ceremonially unclean. And her touching Jesus would make him ceremonially unclean. 
But Jesus doesn't let that stop him from loving her. And so he says to her, here's this word again, daughter, go. Your faith has made you heal. You've been isolated. You've been left alone. You've spent all you have. You, you're, you're, you're by yourself. There's, there's no hope in this situation. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe you're in a situation right now where you say, Rodney, there is no hope. There is no cure. How am I going to get over this? How am I going to get through this? What would be my next step? I want you to know you have a savior that gets it. This is the one man that fully understands where you are. He's the man you can trust. He understands what you have been through. He saw what happened to you. He was there and he is greatly concerned. And this man of justice will make all things right, either on this side or the next. He calls a daughter. Or lastly, how about the woman at the well? Infamous story from John chapter four, Jesus is crossing ethnic lines. Jesus is crossing gender lines. Jesus is crossing whatever line needs to get crossed for him to get to and encourage and minister to this woman at the well so that she can be convinced of who Jesus is. Because once she is convinced, she goes out and tells her whole town and, and multiple people come to know who Jesus is. What if God wants to use, woman of God, what you are going through so you can be an impact and a life to other people? What if it's not about you? What if it's not just about your plan and your purpose and, 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 and your, what you had on the calendar for 2020 and, and your house and, 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 and your family or your singleness or whatever? What if it's not about you? It's really about what God wants to do through you. He's the man you can trust. So Mary is there and you may say Rodney will well, how do we get to justice? You've talked about Mary, you talked about this ointment, and you talked about her pouring it on Jesus' feet, and you talked about her, dry, him, her drying the ointment with her hair, and, and you talked about being expensive, and we know from the text that it's, it, it lit up the whole room with smells and aromas. What, what, what does that have to do with justice? Well, when we come to Jesus' feet, and we serve Jesus in how he leads us to serve him, then we are participating in the justice that Jesus is bringing about. You see, later on, Jesus would get up from that table and he'll have a dark night of the soul in the Mount of Olives. And I don't know, and this is speculation at best, but maybe while Jesus is praying and saying, not my will, but your will be done, he's smelling the fragrance. And then he would be kidnapped and taken to a trial of this unjust jury and this unjust king. And he has to stand before people he made, stand before Pilate. He woke up that morning and he would have to have to answer questions from Pilate and be interrogated by Pilate. Maybe as he's being asked those questions, he's smelling the fragrance. He's remembering what Mary did. Maybe as he's being beaten with a cat of nine tails and, and blood is dripping uh, down his back and, and down his legs and, and down to his feet. Maybe he remembers how his body was prepared by the worship of Mary, this daughter of Abraham, this daughter of the king. As he's being beaten. 
Maybe it's on that old rugged cross where his feet are put together and nails are being driven through his feet. Maybe he looks down, speculation at best, and remembers that this, this, these feet that are now being nailed to this old rugged tree was once anointed with expensive perfume. You see, what you give to God moves us in enabling us to see the justice that God wants to bring about himself. When you give up what you have, for the cause of Christ, for the cause of justice, he moves in powerful and amazing ways. I pray and I trust something I said resonated with you. It is hard preaching into a camera. It is. I don't know what y'all thinking over there, but here's what I know is that God watches over his word and he watches over his word to perform it. I am so thankful for all the amazing, wonderful women we have in our church. I'm amazing. I'm amazed by the work that we're already doing, but I'm so excited about everything else God will call us in to do as it relates to just, let's check out the hangout.